Welcome to Who Analyzed Roger Rabbit, the podcast where we dissect who framed Roger Rabbit one minute at a time, with special guest Alex Robinson. That's right, we are here with Minute 41 of Who Analyzed Roger Rabbit. I am Chris Blair, and surprise, I am here with Annie McMullen. Hello! And joining us again, we've got one of the co-creators of Movies by Minutes. I am talking about all your boy, Alex Robinson. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Thank you for being back. Uh, one podcast you did that uh, is one of my favorite podcasts is Alphabetical, where you and Pete the Retailer, too, and a couple others will go through every Beatles song in alphabetical order and talk about them, give them ratings. And I've got to say, that podcast was an emotional experience. Really? Why was that? Well, because at the end of every, at the end of every podcast, you would rate, the, rate them, and if they got five stars they got five stars from everyone they go in the hall of fame and there's some yeah. songs where it's just there's that tension where it's like i really like this song even though the hall of fame i don't means nothing but it's, well i would say it means nothing okay it's i'm not, sorry, it's not. <laughs> I'm sorry. It, it will it won't do the beatles any favors it's not going to bring back uh john or george but um There'd be like that tension of like, wow, are they going to rate it? And there's some, and sometimes someone would be my hero on one week. They're like, yeah, they put that one through. And then the next week I'm like, you, I can't believe you did not give five stars to what was there like a particular song that you feel wronged by? Oh, okay. About? All right. All right. This is, this is my one beef with Alex Robinson. Um, <laughs> oh, sorry, I didn't mean to start. I didn't mean to start an <laughs> yeah. actual. Oh, sorry. It's on now. Here, it's on now. Um, <laughs> Gave something by my boy George three three stars. I stand by that. <laughs> fair, fair. I mean, it's not something weird like you gave two stars to Mr. Moonlight or something like that. No, it's, that, I, that I, could be high. I had to have given that one star because that is my <laughs> probably my least favorite Beatles song. So uh, it's it's a really it's a really not good song. Yeah, but something is my favorite. I gave it three stars. No, that's not true. So I gave I gave five stars to a bunch. Yeah, there was always uh, a you know there always be an occasional contrarian who, for whatever reason, did not like one particular song and would give it you know I guess anything less than five stars would keep it out of the Hall of Fame. So, um, would you get like angry emails from people? Did people have like a visceral experience to this? I think um, I think maybe we got some bad. Um, yeah, uh, like iTunes reviews or whatever. But I think like by the time they're listening to our show, like they know what that they know that that's part of the thing. So they're not going to get very. If that's the kind of thing that's going to bother them, hearing someone disagree with their opinions, they're not going to last long on the show anyway. So I, I want nothing more in this life than to peer inside the mind of someone who listens to a podcast and then writes a review about an arbitrary opinion. <laughs> It has no bearing on their one life. One star. <laughs> one star. Like, what? what is happening, dude, that oh. makes you do this? Eddie, wait till people start reviewing our podcast. I, I, I don't read yeah. reviews. <laughs> yeah. That's smart. Smart decision. Primarily because I, I don't get reviewed for anything. So we'll, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We are on minute 41, which begins with Roger appearing in Eddie's coat. 
And it ends with him saying, I'm as good as dip. When Roger appears in this coat, I think this is the only time he does it in the film, but he is able to transform his face into a different face. And I, I wonder if this is a thing all tunes can do, because he gives himself like a very strong jawline here, a uh, very detective sort of look. And if tunes can't do this, why are they not constantly just making themselves look as handsome as possible? You know the answer to that. <laughs> it's not funny. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I am shocked by the fact that this is the only time he does any kind of face altering. That seems crazy. I mean, like you said, maybe he's not in the movie as much as I imagine he is, but that seems like a kind of standard cartoony thing, you know, like. Well, there, there's like moments where his jaw will drop really big or his yeah. eyes will bug out, but just yeah. him purposely changing his face for a bit that he's doing. Um, yeah. I, I don't think we see this again. We'll, I will check in and see. Right. If there's... It, it stood out to me too, as like a weird Huh. like one-off thing but i didn't think I, I think it's funny that you think you characterized it as like strong jawline handsome because to me he just looks like kind of like a rock'em sock'em robot like he doesn't look like a handsome man at all like when i think if you're gonna like shapeshift to be a handsome man you're gonna get like the handsome squidward thing right like that like kind of duck face like big and and this to me he he looks like like a robot that's made out of a can well, listeners, let us know when Roger contorts his face, do you find him handsome? I, I tend to think he's not going for handsome so much as like like a hard-boiled like tough guy detective. Yeah. So not like, you know, not like more like Humphrey Bogart than you know uh, whoever the current handsome guy is. Is that <laughs> is, is that like subtle shades to Eddie, who is kind of a grizzled detective. Oh, yeah. But he's okay. like, yeah, grizzled detective, but not like you. <laughs> is that is he imitating Teddy, do you think? Is that what Teddy looked like? No, you know what? Teddy, there is a photo of Teddy earlier, uh, played by a very mysterious actor who that's like the only thing he was ever in. Yeah, not um, even Gary knows who that is. Yeah. Oh, it's not like uh, Robert Zemeckis' brother or something. <laughs> Uh, and he just looks um, he he just looks like a normal guy like he could play also an accountant all right so not tough and hard-boiled no so. i do like that that is the go-to for a normal looking person is an accountant the standard the the <laughs> off the rack standard generic person yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's it doesn't have any like uh you know optional packages it's just <laughs> an accountant uh can i ask a question about this minute oh yeah please i am glad oh, thank you i'm glad finally i can talk about this minute. <laughs> i go on every show and i say can i talk about minute 41 roger it is. <laughs> nope we are not going to talk about this minute um roger i'm glad i got to hear roger do his famous because he does that like he, he says oh you're under arrest and then he does that what exactly is he what exactly is that sound supposed to be I think that's like him, like going, like I got you. This is a bit. But like when he's saying, like, like he's, it's like a weird. I think it's a cartoon stutter because mm -hmm. he does like a more normal stutter. But why does he also do it here? Is it this almost seems like he's using it as kind of like a little raspberry? Like, yeah, he reveals that he's handcuffed, and then he goes like, blah, 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 you know, like, <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I guess it's kind of like a like a. 
like just like a verbal tick for a punchline kind of thing. I guess mm-hmm. again because it's funny. Although this is something to me, this falls more in the grading part than in the in the funny part. Well, you know, it's it's a little bit of his catchphrase. If anything's going to be his catchphrase, so this just might be his. Hey, you thought I was really a detective putting you under arrest right now? It's me, uh, Roger. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it is weird that he would not be making the P sound here. And he, he still right. does it. But I guess that's just Roger's signature. Now, the quest, here's a question. Did Charles, Charles Fleischer, right? That's the guy who does mm-hmm. the voice. Did he come up with this? And, or oh. did, they, did they say, okay, we need him to make a noise. And then he, he tried a couple of noises. And they're like, okay, go with that one. Or was this totally his own? Did Gary have any insight into this? What the the creation does it say in the script? Please, or does it just say please? And he kind of it, it does not say that. The script does not have that. So the, I, I'm thinking this might be a Fleischer ad lib. I did not uh, think about that before, but. Uh, Oh, the sequel to Gary's book was who plugged uh, my 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 mine is not as good as Alex's, but uh, <laughs> Roger Rabbit who uh, plugged Roger Rabbit. Well, I'm gonna blast. <laughs> like, I'm gonna keep doing this till I get it right. I don't care if this is a 50 minute podcast. Amazing, <laughs> amazing work. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so I, you know, it, if it was a Fleischer uh, original, it's just been, and it is now canon that this is a Roger Roger. Tick. Oh yeah, it's, like you said, it's the closest thing he has to like a catchphrase. Uh, I also, I think it's one of those things too. Like I maintain that in in his work in this universe, like Roger is like an annoying children's cartoon. You know, like it's the cartoon mm-hmm. that your kid puts on, and you're like, "Oh." Uh, who would be, be an example? Who would who, be? Who's the modern Roger? Who's like the? Um, yeah, oh, like I mean, Kalu. I think yeah, I think everyone hates Caillou. He's like universally hated. Um, I don't have kids. I have a niece and nephew, so I like I have yeah. like a uh, sort of peripheral exposure to annoying children's cartoons that they watch on repeat. Um, right. I am not a huge fan of like Dora the Explorer because it has that like Diego ah, you know like this is a balloon thing happening Um, and I think I think like little kids like those little catchphrase things or those noises because they can kind of imitate them and Mm -hmm. move their mouth or whatever so that's that's I think Roger's just like an annoying kid cartoon guy Hmm. which is also why like sometimes he's funnier and more normal to adults when he's like being himself mm-hmm. when he's being That's, real when we're getting more of the the, the deeper layers of Robert <laughs> Robert, where he's judgmental and uh he's a complex creature yeah <laughs> it is it is weird raver overalls <laughs> and uh, i noticed he has yellow gloves and yeah i couldn't think of any other any other character because famously cartoon characters have white gloves but so I guess he has white fur, so it would look it wouldn't stand out as much if he had uh, white gloves. But why do why do they all wear gloves? I, I think uh, maybe maybe the fingers look weird, and it's just. I don't, do do you draw do you draw characters? I draw gloves? my characters with gloves. <laughs> 
No, uh, in no, I think this uh, actually, I think it goes back to uh, somewhat awkwardly. It goes back to uh, minstrel shows. Oh, oh boy, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we could bring that oh, up on the wow. podcast. <laughs> Yeah, so I think that's why all those guys wear gloves is because they be kind of from their roots. So, uh, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. don't see as much nowadays, but Roger, yellow gloves. So yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah, it's, it is an interesting choice by Roger. I guess it goes um, with the ensemble. If you wore red gloves, it just might be too much with the with the red overalls. Too matchy matchy. Yeah. Any do modern uh, any modern cartoon characters work? The SpongeBob wear gloves? Huh. No, no, no. He just has those square pants. <laughs> <laughs> his hand, his hands end in square pants. I do. I love SpongeBob. SpongeBob is like a cartoon that I can just watch, but no all the time, no problem. No gloves, even though he's gloveless. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I wonder at what point the gloves stopped. The gloves came off. Yeah, when did yeah, the- I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go on a limb here and say too late is the answer far mm-hmm. far too late yeah because i don't think yogi wears gloves either and he was kind of in the the uh yeah i don't remember what he like 60s maybe who who is this uh yogi bear oh yogi bear no he does not wear gloves yeah he's what he, many of the guys wear gloves yeah hannah barbera might have been the one to really just break this glove stereotype yeah. you know why because they work for television it's more informal gloves seems a little <laughs> bit like you know Mm, this is for the movie star cartoons. <laughs> yeah. No, I, my question is, and this question might go up right up there with who framed Roger Rabbit. And that is why, why does Eddie own a pair of handcuffs that he does not own the keys to? Maybe he was, well, they were in a coat. So it's not like they were ones, this might be, a, it's, I don't know if this was his coat or Teddy's coat. Was this, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe Teddy's good luck handcuffs that he just wanted to keep for sentiment. Was he keeping them in there because he's like, I got to get a new key for those. I'll put them in my pocket so next time I go to the store, I won't forget. Yeah, make sure no cartoon character puts this on you. <laughs> nice and safe. <laughs> There's not even a moment where he's like, hey, let me uh, check the keys and check one of the drawers and see if I got these keys. He just knows dead off, like, I don't have these keys for the cuffs. Yeah. Most of that stuff can be explained away by the fact that he is a raging alcoholic. <laughs> mm, totally. Yeah. There should have been a half hour scene of him ransacking his office looking for the keys and getting angrier and angrier <laughs> and angrier. Just with Roger attached to him. At first, oh. Roger's trying to make jokes and then he realizes like, whoa, I got to stop joking around. This guy's really getting angry. <laughs> of course, he can't get out of the cuffs because it wouldn't be funny then. He missed his opportunity. You think maybe Eddie can find the keys, but being around Toon so much growing up that only he could find the keys when it's funny? Oh, oh I like that. I think in book seven of the saga, we would have found out that Eddie has Toon uh, DNA. He has some Toon uh, ancestors. Like he's like one eighth Toon. Oh, this is kind of like uh, the, the, uh, the Targaryens in Game of Thrones having a little bit of dragon blood. We'll never find out how one of Eddie's parents... Although, if if our if our hypothesis is correct, I don't know how that would I don't know how human tune uh, interbreeding would not seem to. Well, that's also on the list of questions because yeah. we we know it came up a lot during Marvin Acne being smurmy and disgusting. Um, yeah. You know, because he's clearly got some kind of 
as every human man in this movie does a, a thing for Jessica. Um, but they're, you know, they're playing patty cake uh, and they're, they're interacting in a yeah. sexual way. You know, this would answer the question of where did the CG type cartoon characters come <laughs> from? Because they do, they do seem at that halfway point. So that's Andy Serkis. That's where he comes from. <laughs> He's the Mel Blanc of CGI uh, <laughs> He's the prolific father of, uh, yeah. of an entire species. <laughs> because uh, then you also have characters like Yoda who have appeared in classic animation and 3D animation. What, what is that two different Yodas? Oh, Yoda? yeah. Is this Frank Oz yes. doing this? <laughs> yeah, then you also have Puppet Yoda. Yeah. Oh. We got so many more questions for Gary that he's going to have to answer. He's going to have to write so many more books to. Well, he's going to be he's going to be writing these down for future plot uh, ideas. And and we would we would like to find a puppeteer who could come in and give us some insight. That's definitely on the list because there's some strong puppeteering work here. Well, um, it's funny because yesterday you brought up the dust there, and this was the minute where I wrote down. Maybe it's just because I'm older, but I'm really paying attention to like, oh, when that newspaper moved, someone like there has to be a wire moving that. And just like you said, keenly aware that everything that's other than Roger is really being manipulated in real life. So it's it, it really almost that part is almost a, it's easy to overlook it because you just sort of take it for granted. You'd notice it if it wasn't there. It would it definitely adds to the real, you know, to them feeling like real things. So uh, good work. Props department. Who does that stuff? Yeah, props yeah. special effects yeah a little, little bit of both a little bit of uh all of the yeah. above and and bob hoskins too just to be right along with all of this too yeah mm-hmm. i'm gonna guess that practical effects says this is what needs to happen this is how we're gonna do it and then they have a meeting with props and say we need you to make this or the bed has to be this way or that makes whatever sense. yeah so, okay, there's a lot of, uh, we've talked a lot about Bob Hoskins' mime work and stuff, and, but since we're talking about this stuff, you know, he, they handcuff each other together, or Roger handcuffs them together, and then he flings Roger over onto the bed, and like, even on the bed where Roger is standing, on, he, he has most of his weight on his front foot, like, the bed is like smushed down right there, and it's just the, the amount of detail they went to to show that like these things were really interacting in the real world is just so it always amazes me and you just continually find new little uh instances of that so great what i like about that is that at some point someone had to calculate roger's weight (laughs) how far he should you know is he like a bowling ball is he heavier than a bowling ball i wonder if they got a physicist in for that do you, uh, is there any information? Uh, is there like a wick? Is there like a Roger Rabbit Wikipedia where they have his vital statistics? Do they list his weight there? I don't, I don't know, but there is like a lot of random information about him as if yeah. he was real. So I'm going to see that, if I can find his Add name. that to Gary. Add that to the list. <laughs> Questions for Gary. Oh, when Gary so comes on, he does have a, a giant Roger Rabbit sitting next to him. Hmm. You yeah. say giant. How, how big is giant? It, it, I don't know uh, how big Gary is, but it's bigger than Gary. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, it is. It is uh, a sight to behold. So, Les Gary's very, very small. <laughs> it's pretty big. <laughs> so, you know, which is more terrifying, either a humongous Roger Rabbit or a very tiny Gary. 
Oh, uh, I kind of like the idea of a really tiny Gary because I have no idea. I have no idea how big Gary is. And now I'm assuming um, the size of a rabbit. Uh, we get the we get the return of uh, the weasels, and I you know the listeners know how much I love the weasels. Um, and we get to learn a fun fact that they are terrible drivers and parkers, just uh, terrible, terrible parking job. Um, and they just walk right across the street, not paying attention to where they're going at all, making cars slam on the brakes. Knowing what we know about tunes, though, I'd feel like a car hitting them would not do too much damage. Yeah, not permanent damage. Yeah. It could be a lot of damage, but it would have to be funny damage. <laughs> yeah. It'd be, yeah, very cartoon. They might be like go flat as a pancake as they get run over, but then yeah. be okay again. It's not like they're going to have to wait there while an ambulance comes and then they're going to have months of physical therapy to get back to their <laughs> previous. They're never quite going to get back to their level of previous. They're also really terrible dressers their outfits are truly horrendous and being a i already talk a lot about the clothes and stuff in this movie because i used to work in that industry for a really long time and um one of the things that you do fashion industry yeah the the tune fashion industry specifically yeah (laughs) specifically Uh, for weasel tunes no but but like menswear like for for regular humans mostly um the i'm pretty good at looking at like a a drawing or a swatch of fabric and knowing like what it's going to look like when it's made up as something is part of my job. And um, so I have this, like, I can't look at their outfits and not know what that would look like in real life. And it's, um, it's basically just like if the movie Dick Tracy just went even more unhinged, you know, just so bright, which half the people here probably or listening probably haven't seen Dick Tracy because it's really old also, but <laughs> you think but... half of your listeners have seen Dick Tracy? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they are listening to a podcast or a movie that takes place in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's Listen, I being I'm being hopeful. You know, <laughs> it's, it's one of the weirdest. I think, I think like seeing Dick Tracy as a child might be some kind of core memory because it's, it's so um, it's a visual assault. It's you know, striking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's really stayed with me uh, in a way that I don't mm. need it to. So these outfits you're saying are reminiscent of their their primary color brightness is reminiscent of Dick Tracy. They are. Uh, but it's they're just they're just also kind of insane, you know, and they're gonna look they're gonna look insane. I mean, the one I'm I'm bad with the weasel names. Chris has them all memorized. Um, but the the leader pink suit weasel. Smartass. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Smartass. Um, that okay. suit would just be. Oh God! It would be so bad. It'd be so bad in Do real you think life. It must be difficult to shop for clothes in Toontown because yeah. there's so many different body sizes and types and different. You know, you have everything from giant gorillas to you know worms like how on earth do they is it everything custom you think i guess well, the good thing is uh, yes. once you have an outfit you can wear it all the time i don't think so because the one giant gorilla we see is wearing a yeah. suit that's very ill-fitting but that's funny but the, yeah it's mm, funny that's he has to wear an ill-fitting no, <laughs> it's weird if he was in a regular size tuxedo it was just like a- <laughs> <laughs> You're like not a funny choice yeah that that is my nightmare you know, we talked about like our our tunes trapped in a prison 
of 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 this a comedy prison like yeah. having to wear um some ill-fitting outfit like a small outfit on my large body where the gag is that it doesn't fit uh, and being mm. trapped in that because it's funny that's that sounds like a fever dream that i i would desperately want to escape from but you'd be living in a society that would like the fact that you were funny you know what i mean yeah, so but you, would, you wouldn't see it as a negative. Me. You would see it as a positive thing. You would see it as, look, I'm a look how funny I am. Everyone's anyway. <laughs> look how funny. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Yeah. Say, you'd be you'd be raised with a different set of cultural standards That's than true. you are as a as a uh, you know particularly a woman in you know the Western culture. So I I would like to be re raised with a different set of cultural standards <laughs> if I if I can yeah. I volunteer. Right. I guess it's a little bit like a self-deprecating comedian, right? Because they're they're famous, they're rewarded for doing so, but they're just constantly having to bust on themselves. Yeah, but I guess unlike, say, you know, Chris Farley, I I guess I like to think that the tunes are comfortable with who they are and are like, this is what we do. This is our thing, you know? Like, it doesn't, there's no, not, not neuroses behind it. Again, unless it's someone like, Eeyore or Davy or whatever, right? Where it's where it's funny to be uh, to have neurosis. Yeah, I guess so. Oh gosh, they really are trapped in this. Well, or they really are a uh, you know their fate is dictated by uh, what yeah. we find funny. Yeah, it's very, it's very empowering as a viewer. <laughs> yeah, I've never looked at it that way, but yeah, it's it is. We have, we do have a lot of power over these tunes. Speaking of which, uh, one thing I think being an old person, uh, one perspective I can bring to this is that um, when this movie came out, um, cartoons were not widely available uh, for home. You know what I mean? It wasn't like you could watch them on TV and reruns and stuff, but there wasn't really like a um, a thing, a thing of owning these things where you could watch them over and over again. And so it was around this time that it started becoming a thing where they started releasing collections of and uh, I remember specifically Tex Avery had a huge renaissance around this time. Like they did a Tex Avery collection of his MGM cartoons. And, you know, and uh, in this minute, Roger does a very Tex Avery take when he sees that the weasels are at the door. and He does that big, bah! you know, where his feet stick out totally straight. And uh, I definitely remember Tex Avery being a Tex Avery uh, being a famous um, animation director. Yeah, you he's. Know. He, we we have uh, brought him up uh, a lot of times yeah, in the show. A lot of his characters have made it. And then the, the fun fact of him losing an eye in the middle of the studio has also come up. Yeah. Which, Did uh, you say a lot of characters have made it or a lot of his characters have mated? Oh, uh, <laughs> well, both. both. Okay. <laughs> I can't wait to read those second and third books in this series. It's going to yeah. be... Uh, Tex yeah. Avery character is very promiscuous. Right. Yeah, well, he did have a lot of pretty ladies in his mm-hmm. uh, in his in his lineup, so maybe that uh, you know, if anyone's characters are going to be mating, it's Tex Avery, so oh, right? yes. or maybe Ralph Bakshi, probably too. Yeah. But oh yeah, that that too. Uh, we we also get the first mention of I think this is the only mention in the movie of what the weasels are called, the Toon Patrol, um, and then when they sold toys and and uh, other Roger Rabbit paraphernalia is that the right word uh (laughs) i'll go with that uh they they were called the tune control but i think this is the only time they're called that in the movie i was very curious about this like it's super unclear 
you know, we, we know Judge Doom doesn't, um, he doesn't follow the rule of law, uh, even though we're not that clear on what the law was in 1947 or how it applies to tunes. But I'm just curious, like, what in the hell, what if, what is their job? Like, cause it seems like they're just sort of, you know, Judge Doom's personal goon squad, right? But like, do they have some kind of authority? Is this like, is this government sanctioned? Like, what is, I'm so confused about, about why a, a sitting judge uh, can just order weasels to go like whack people or find people or whatever they're supposed to do. That's a good question. I maybe within Toontown there, they have authority there. And if they have to bring in a tune specifically, their jurisdiction extends to outside of Toontown. I would agree with that. He's basically in charge of any tune you know yeah and he's basically in charge of it would almost like the way the dog catcher is in charge of animal like animal control there's like a separate thing for tune uh crimes and things yeah like okay that. yeah although it's weird because he is a tune posing as a human so i how wonder how that works if like the tunes yeah anyway i also um I blame the weasels for the PT Always cruiser. Always blame the weasels. <laughs> yeah, what, what you got against the weasels, Andy? I, I, I blame them for the, the PT cruiser happening. Oh. Uh, mm. Because the car that they drive looks a lot. It's like what the PT cruiser was uh, was modeled after. And, um, you know, it just feels like it's their fault. Because then it came in kind of weaselly colors, too, like that electric blue and so, uh, purple and orange. It was originally the the the... TP, it's a wait, PT cruiser, right? Yeah, yeah, it was originally T, the Toon Patrol cruiser. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, you know what, they're on to us, you gotta switch them. <laughs> yeah, that also stands for toilet paper. They're like, oh, we can't do that. Let's call it the PT cruiser. No one will know, no one will know where it came from. <laughs> uh, I do love Bob Hoskins' stunt double getting dragged across this room by Roger going under the bed and then making the bed come up. And, was that a stunt double? I'm pretty sure. We never get to a clean look at Bob Hoskins' face as he's being dragged across. So I assume so. Because he does do like kind of this heavy fall to the to the floor as he gets as he gets dragged out. I think you're right. Um I this is another scene. I, this is like probably second to just me being mad that Chris Pratt is cast in things this is the thing i say most frequently which is like I, I cannot wrap my head around how they would ever cast anyone besides bob hoskins in this role because of his like mime experience like how you ever thought to cast any of the other people they thought to cast and like this movie just wouldn't there's no other person that would where it would be like this Wait, would be able to pull why... This off. why do i talk about chris pratt yeah, why? Is oh, just because he generally bothers me. Oh, okay. and it and, and <laughs> they were like remaking it or something, and or they were gonna, like, digitally put Chris <laughs> no. Pratt. In. Like, well, we did say why? that if it got made today, he would be both Eddie Valiant and Roger because that's the mm. because we live in the worst timeline. <laughs> yeah, this is accurate. Yeah. No, he just comes up a lot because he's like it's like six degrees of Chris Pratt, where like any movie you reference or any like pop culture thing or like Mario Garfield, you know, yeah. Marvel. It's just oh, he's everywhere. That's why. 
yeah overexposed. and it bothers me mm -hmm. huh? overexposed yeah did that jurassic it, park i don't even know if that last jurassic park movie did that come out or is that i don't know either i remember seeing the ads for it i think it's best if we don't know okay yeah you know it like you could tell me that i had seen it or you could tell me that it's not i would believe i would believe any yeah. possibility the same as um the telephone thing what you want for you that came out <laughs> One thing I noticed in this minute is that Eddie has a uh, statue. I don't know. Have you guys already talked about this? In when when they show the door of the office, they sh there's a statue of what appears to be a falcon on mm -hmm. in his on his shelf, and I guess that's a tribute to the other old timey film, The Maltese Falcon, starring square jawed hunk Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you yeah. think you think Roger was was sort of referencing that oh. this is with his square jawed robot hunk? Oh, you caught it there. To... Had Maltese Falcon came out? Yeah, this is 47. So Maltese Falcon definitely would have come out, right? Oh, I thought you meant did Maltese Falcon come out before who framed Roger Rabbit? <laughs> I was like, oh, I think so. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. you're in universe, you're saying yes. In, in universe, yeah, yeah. 1941 looks like. Oh, wait, I although I don't think Eddie has it because he's a big fan of the movie and that he that's why he has it in his I'm gonna say the Maltese Falcon doesn't exist. The movie does not exist in the in the universe oh wow okay so if they if uh does humphrey bogart exist in this universe mm, not enough information okay. Eddie just doesn't <laughs> seem like the kind of guys like i really like that movie i'm gonna get myself a falcon and put it on my shelf but just doesn't... <laughs> it was i wish they would have included that scene yeah, <laughs> yeah i'm gonna get myself a falcon well in one of gary's prequel novels we can uh find out what eddie's opinion on the Maltese falcon is or uh, crossover with other <laughs> properties. Oh, I would love to get some tunes in the in a alternate Maltese Falcon verse. Um, there's another great bit too of like um, Roger going through the drawers and Eddie just get getting like a get out of here sort of uh, vibe. This whole minute is just physical comedy and cartoon gags, like and where they intersect, and I love it. It's you know he. Eddie shoves him in the bottom drawer and he pops out the top drawer, which like makes no sense if you understand the way furniture works, but is always happening in cartoons. There's like so many of those little Easter eggs there that are just awesome. Yeah. It's interesting that tune superpowers can work in non. They're not contingent on like being in a cartoon drawer. Like it just works wherever they are just because if it's funny. And we also know that Roger is a, a rodent and can uh, just, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Can track his body. Um, yeah, <laughs> contort. contort his body, yes. Contort his body. You, would, you, you said he was a rodent? Is that what you said? Well, yeah, kind of, right? Rabbits, rodent yeah. So he like gnawed his way through the bottom of the drawer <laughs> yeah. and then <laughs> shot it up the top. I, like yeah. I wonder if he just poops everywhere. Mm. Oh, it's weird. Oh, yeah. <laughs> under, his, under his rain pants. <laughs> yeah, he just got his diaper. <laughs> diaper. <laughs> the weasels show up at the door we get a star wars reference here what uh, eddie uh roger says to eddie he asks him for help and says you're my only hope which i figure has got to be a princess leia moment i, I wouldn't rule it out is that the only reason you had me on this minute this is why we had you on right now to determine oh. is this a star wars reference <laughs> Kind of want to hear it. Is, yes. 
I kind of want to hear it because I want to see if he if he imitates Leia. You know, like if he does it in the same cadence. And hold on, yeah. I'm going to play it really quick. In the movie, we have I am going to butcher his name, but Richard Le Parmentier, who was the person Darth Vader choked out in uh, the the uh, in New Hope. So who is he in this? Uh, he plays uh, one of the cops that with well, the cop that uh, tells Eddie that Roger has uh, has huh. committed um, murder. Huh. Funny. Yeah. So he's Abramati. Yes. Yes. Sorry, I was not. I was not on mute. I thought I was <laughs> the worst. Little bit of a different delivery between the two, but I think yeah. you know his word choice. He could have said a lot of different things, and he said, "You're my only hope." So yeah. I'm gonna run, Roger. Huge Star Wars fan. Despite. Or is this where they got the idea to have the character say that? So when yeah. Princess Leia is saying it, she's really quoting Roger Rabbit. When yeah. Carrie Fisher is saying it, she's quoting Roger Rabbit. Well, when, when the Star Wars movies uh, say a long time ago, how far ago? Is this, is this still after the 40s? <laughs> it's like 51, 52, somewhere around there. Yeah, it's really perspective. Maybe we're all talking on their old-fashioned phones. You, you think Zemeckis was just like, suck it, Lucas, it's my line now. <laughs> that's, that's so Bobby Zemeckis. Bobby Z. <laughs> You know, this brings us to everybody's favorite part of the show. Of course, I'm talking about Hypothetical Thursday. Hypothetical Thursday, join it on the fun. Hypothetical Thursday is when we ask a hypothetical question and you can answer it on our Facebook page, which is Who Analyzed Roger Rabbit Listeners This Week. The question is, if you had to be handcuffed to a cartoon character for a solid week, which cartoon character would it be? Oh, am I going first? Yeah. You, uh, I thought you we'll were leaving a gap there for the oh. audience to, to say their answers. <laughs> well, the, the, uh... the gap there, too, is for the audience to think about it and to anticipate who we're going to pick as okay. well. Gosh, who would I want to be handcuffed to for a solid week? So I'm with them 24 hours a day, 365 days a week. Yeah, 365 <laughs> days over. Yes. Okay. Oh boy. Um, I, I, I guess I was. It sounds lame, but I was going to say Bugs Bunny. I mean, that's a that's a fun 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 so character. Be Bugs Bunny. <laughs> well, I mean, I couldn't think of anyone to be stuck with someone for a week. Like Bugs Bunny seems like he'd be fun to be stuck for a week with. You know what I mean? Yeah. Although, unless I guess the problem is, if I became his foil, then I'm then I'm in trouble. That's oh. most likely what's going to happen if you're if you're you know what I mean. Like I'm going to become the dupe in that. I'm going to become Elmer Fudd in that situation. So, or I'm wondering if fun. then like do you like does he bring along his adversaries? You know, like do they just like find him even though he's with you and like Elmer Fudd follows you because it's rabbit season or like what what happens mm. there? Yeah, are you going to get in an argument? It's rabbit season. It's human season. Well, the good news is, if yeah, I guess I can still suffer pain because as long as I'm with bugs, I feel like I'm kind of protected because he's kind of the star. So as long as he's okay, I'm probably going to be okay. But that doesn't—I could still be on the receiving end of a lot of gunshots and stuff. You know, yeah. this so, is a brave choice, Alex. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, maybe I should go uh, in a different direction. I should go with someone who who I can be my stooge. So in mm-hmm. case they get, you know, like Elmer. 
This Elmer is making Fudd. me rethink my answer too now. Now Elmer Fudd's a millionaire. He owns a mansion and a yacht. I could totally just chill on his yacht. He does? Why did I not? Yeah, to... No, he owns a wow. Mansion and a yacht. Millionaire. Millionaire. And this was back when a million dollars meant something. And when a million dollars was real. Yeah. A long time ago, back in the 50s, when a million dollars was something. Yeah. Now he's not going to be able to get a condo in San Francisco with that money. Oh, my gosh. You know, being a hunter, no less. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I I was initially going to say Elastigirl because uh, she could, like, hang out in a different room. No problem. We could have some privacy. <laughs> So um, you're able to use her superpowers, but she still can't get out of the handcuffs. She's right. still stuck in the handcuffs. Right. Uh, two rules. But um, now, you know, now that we've talked about like, oh, oh, shit, maybe the trouble would follow her. You know, I don't I don't really want that crazy baby following me around uh, or that, um, you know, any of the villains that that mess with her. Um, so I think I'm going to go with the Snorlax. Because. Nor, now, what, who or what is I know, of course, but tell our listeners. Who <laughs> Snorlax. Yeah, again, uh, I have a very passing understanding of of pocket monsters uh, because my nephew, I have an eight year old nephew, seven year old nephew, who's very into them. Uh, so uh-huh. I, everything I know is from uh, I. I did not ask to know about Pokemon, uh, but Snorlax is is a Pokemon that is six foot eleven, and it just sleeps in inconvenient places. Um, and I could use a nap, like a long one. I could use a week where I get to sleep like a lot. I would be fine with that. And then also like when he's not sleeping, being attached to somebody who's 6'11 and who could like, you know, lift you up on high stuff. That sounds kind of fun. It just feels like a lot where you're like, oh, I want to get up there. There's no one. There's no six foot 11 monster to pick me up. If only there was a giant, a giant (laughs) sleepy monster who could pick me up and put me on something. I have some chores to do around the house that would be helpful. I'm just cobwebs and stuff like that. I might have to worry about my nephew trying to catch him, Mm. but otherwise, (laughs) (laughs) but otherwise, I think, I think it's a solid choice. I think every, every choice has its pros and cons, but I'm, I'm Mm. going Snorlax. Yeah, Yeah. I'm on board with that. I'm going to go with the bill on Capitol Hill uh, from <laughs> Schoolhouse Rock. Uh, I feel like I get to be witness to a lot of cool things. I get to like uh, go inside closed doors, uh, much like Aaron Burr's wish. I get to be in the room where it happened. He'd be singing me songs uh, about you know government and how would he or would it just be that one song over and over again that that would be terrible that was the case i hope that would be a major drawback if i had to if you only had that one song that i heard over and over again i'm surprised that you would pick him he does not seem like he's having a good time so like the fact that you're like oh i want to see how the sausages are made he doesn't even seem like he's enjoying it i don't know nowadays Well, not nowadays. I, you know, I, I don't I have laws anymore. So. <laughs> he's he's very depressed. He, maybe maybe Chris is just doing it as a favor to him because he could really use a pick. He yeah. just needs to be needed again. Yeah, and he is small, so it, like you you would basically just go about your life while you just carry. It's like carrying around a bundle of newspapers or something. You know, newspapers where the internet was printed out and put on a bunch of things and compiled every day. For those <laughs> yeah, for the sixteen year olds who don't know what uh, newspapers are. Yeah, for the listeners who think there should be cell phones and Frank Roger Rabbit. Um, How do you think the Bill wears handcuffs? Do you think he wears it on his arm or he just slides the thing over his tube? Around his tube? 
when the bill becomes a law, do they have to like flatten him out and stuff? So when the president can sign, he's like, I guess no. that's his last his last act when he becomes a law is, but he sacrifices his life to be. Did they make? I mean, they write it on his skin. Oh my gosh, this is horrifying. Uh, yeah. I, think, I think one of my favorite things about this podcast is that almost every episode, or at least every week, we make some realization about like if this is true in the toon universe then some dark shit happens yeah, yeah. <laughs> and is the is the bill is he passing laws is this washington dc as we know it or is this like a toon version of washington dc yes toon version mm. well, the laws they pass are all about car- you know tunes they were the ones who said you can only escape from handcuffs when it's funny yeah so that's a federal law <laughs> so, requirement. i wonder if laws can only be passed if the law is funny as well mm. i want to see i want to see like a a mockumentary about tune osha <laughs> tune osha <laughs> Yeah, you figure the, those guys, the, the people who say no animal, I guess, you know, I say no animals were harmed in the making of this film. I mean, these ducks and animal rabbits are being constantly blown up and exploded and whatnot. So it's got to yeah. be tough. Yeah, OSHA works very differently in the toon world. You don't wear gloves all the time. <laughs> for just for uh, protection. <laughs> That's the one area you can harm a toon is their hands. <laughs> so that has been Hypothetical Thursday. Hypothetical Thursday, join in on the fun. My my MVP for this minute is um it's the set because mm. which is like these are this is a boring MVP but it it's uh there's so many little gags and all of the props that they would have to build into that set and it's basically like a clown stage in this little you know apartment office and it's just really cool. Yeah, there must be so many hidden wires and levers and contraptions, you know, to move everything around. I like that la- yesterday was dust <laughs> set. So yeah. I guess that's a step up. Listen, yeah. It's all kinds of crazy stuff. There's no there's no criteria. It's yeah. just uh, whatever mood. Can can someone be MVP more than once? Yeah. I, I um, think Bob Hoskins' mouth might have made it a couple times. Hmm. Uh, yeah. One, one time is his mouth. I try and pick different parts if it's going to be the same person. Okay. I was say that would explain why you're like, uh, yeah, that chair in the background. That's the only thing I haven't picked yet. So yeah, it would be really easy for it to just be Bob Hoskins every yeah. minute because he's like and Roger, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, I try and I try and parse it out a little bit more than up. that. Yeah, yeah. I like that you're treating the inanimate objects just as equally as the actors. That's very tune. It's, it's, it's a very tune way of looking at it. Tune yeah. rules. Tune yeah, rules. Yeah. Each particle of dust is its own little actor. <laughs> So that is it for today. We are a Dueling Genre podcast. You can check out all their podcasts on DuelingGenre.com and you can click on the link to support. Alex, where can people find you at? I am the co-host of a podcast called Star Wars Minute, where we go through uh, various Star Wars movies one minute at a time, much the same way you guys are doing here with Roger Rabbit. Uh, we are currently, as of this recording, we are a good chunk of the way into Solo, a Star Wars story. Seems to be America's least uh, favorite Star Wars movie. So, um... <laughs> and uh, and for for the listeners who don't know, what is Star Wars? Star Wars takes place a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Did they have cell phones then? No, that's Star Trek. Star Trek is the one okay. with the cell phones. Cool, cool, so, cool. Uh, 
Anyway, you can find that wherever you find podcasts or go to StarWarsMinute.com. You can find us on Facebook at Who Analyzed Roger Rabbit Listeners. Thanks for listening, and we will be back on Friday for Minute 42 of Who Analyzed Roger Rabbit.